We're talking about the history of the People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies and the role it has played from the early times till now in the history of the communist movement and in the Communist Party. Okay, so let's get started on it now. What is the purpose? Communist schools and universities have been a mainstay in the communist movement for generations. And every communist party in every country of the world has a communist university or a communist school. Their job is not only to educate the current generation on the history of the movement and of the workers' movement, but also the job is to prepare leadership for the communist parties when the older leadership passes on, the younger leadership that comes on will have the ideology and education and knowledge of what happened beforehand. In the early years of the American communist movement, we had workers' bookshops and schools. We had them all over the country. For example, in just New York City alone, it was called the Workers' School. We also had 38 bookshops. And let me tell you the purpose of a bookshop. Bookshop is to have a place usually near a university, where people from the university can get Marxist-Leninist literature where they couldn't get it in their university. Many times in the universities, Marxist professors would work with these bookstores that were near the universities. Many times, many people came into the communist movement through these bookstores. I know they were very influential in my upbringing and other people who are my age, I'm 72, and I've been doing this communist work and learning since I was 13, 14, and most of it happened at these bookstores. Many people on this phone call probably are trying to build their own Marxist libraries, and it's important that they do so that they can have at their fingertips information when they need it. So we had many, many bookstores, even during the 50s, the McCarthy period, we still had these bookstores. A lot of them folded, mainly because books went out of print, and many people started to get away from holding a book and started using the Internet. During the popular front years of the Communist Party, which was the years of 1940, remember the Comintern set up the popular front in 1937, about that period of time, and the idea was to reach out to other forces to fight against fascism. During the popular front years, we had something called, in New York, for example, the Jefferson School for Social Research. And at that time, the idea of the party, remember, we had a brigade that went to Spain in 1936 to fight fascism, and it was called the Abraham Lincoln Battalion and the George Washington Battalion. The idea of many countries at the time is communists sent volunteers to Spain to fight against Franco and fascism, and they did that by using the national heroes of their countries. The German group was called the Ernst Daumann Brigade, after the head of the Communist Party. And in Canada, it was called the Mackenzie Brigade. Mackenzie was one of the national liberation forces in Canadian history. This was in accordance with the CP's position at the time, which stated, this was their position, that communism is 20th century Americanism. If you never heard the term, it happened during that period. 
The idea was to show how historically American history was filled with people that were so-called pre-communist, pre-Marxist. We mentioned people like there was a general in the Civil War who was in contact with Karl Marx. His name is Joseph Wiedemeyer. He was a general in the Civil War in the Northern Army. So there's a whole history. And you all know that Lincoln was in constant contact through the New York newspapers with Karl Marx. They were corresponding on the slavery issue. So this was in accordance with that position. During the 50s, the McCarthy period, the Jefferson School was forced to close. Now, I visited the Jefferson School after it was closed. This is so important how widespread it was. It was a six-story building on Avenue of the Americas, Sixth Avenue in New York City. And on the first floor was a cafeteria called the Workers' Cafeteria. And right next to it was a bookstore. And then the second and the third and the fourth, all the way up to sixth, were classrooms. And each classroom was filled with volunteer professors who were leading courses, everything from struggle against fascism to the building of the Congress of Industrial Organizations. So it was a real, real live school. And they gave certificates and everything else. We had them in Los Angeles. We had them all over the place. This is the history that the People's School is sitting on. From the late 1960s through the 70s, in New York, we had the Center for Marxist Education, which I visited. They were responsible for educating countless members of both the Communist Party, the cadre, and others in the science of Marxism-Leninism and in the achievements of these people's democracies of Eastern Europe, including the Soviet Union and other socialist countries. They also had courses in the National Liberation Movement in South Africa, which fought against apartheid, in Zimbabwe, which fought against English colonialism, etc. From the late 70s to the early 1980s, the Center for Marxist Studies was changed to the People's School for Marxist Studies, and it became a center for pro-Soviet and anti-Trotskyite knowledge in the American left. Today, we are taking the bold step of rebuilding Marxist-Leninist schools in the U.S. So the PSMLS, the People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies, is the current manifestation in this long line of party-sponsored schools in the U.S. Through the use of various extension courses, and I'll explain to you what that is throughout the country, and affiliated study groups, the school continues the task of ideologically educating workers including the unemployed, oppressed peoples, and young people in the science of Marxism-Leninism and its various struggles today. Now, I'll explain to you what extension courses were. We did this in Staten Island in 1984. We took a room at the College of Staten Island that was not being used at a certain time of the year. We had connections. We had a professor there. And we had someone from the People's School for Marxist Study. He came from Manhattan to Staten Island which is one of the boroughs of Manhattan, there's five boroughs. He came to Staten Island and he taught once a week for four weeks a course on labor and working within the unions. And that's what an extension course is. It's actually a face-to-face -face course where people have somebody from the main school come by. Next thing, certificates of accomplishment will be awarded to those who successfully complete a course. One of the school's objectives is to give working people 
That's the idea. Tools needed in pushing the labor movement away from social democracy, economism, and towards militant class struggle, trade unionism. For students who are dealing with the military industrial complex on their campuses, that means a lot of corporations that are involved with the military are actually teaching courses at colleges. Cornell and Columbia University in New York is a good example of that. The People School can help with courses that strategize, that's the key word, strategize the most effective way in which to combat militarism on the campus. Peace activists need a forum, a place to analyze the economic forces that are behind war and imperialism. The growing environmental movement needs educational direction. Our job is to show that it's not just a question of war or peace, it's who's pushing war, why they're pushing war, why they're making money out of it, the environmental situation, corporations that are involved in destroying the environment, why they're doing it, the profits they're making, etc. Under capitalism, you could never be able to solve environmental solutions and will never be able to deal with it under this economic system because, obviously, it puts profit ahead of the planet and health needs of the people are secondary. The People's School endeavors to create a new generation of fighters in the movement for peace, in the movement for self-determination of oppressed peoples, and in the movement for justice. One of the ways is by the studying of Marxist political and economic philosophy, including Lenin's contribution to the importance of revolution and the dictatorship of the proletariat. Before Lenin, we did not discuss imperialism, the colonial situation, how capitalism uses the markets and imperialism in order to push its agenda. The next thing is Stalin's contribution to the construction of socialism in the Soviet Union. We can learn from that. And the next thing is the contributions of other Marxist-Leninist theoreticians. And I'm going to stop there. Any questions? 20th century Americanism. Is that the same sort of line we should be pursuing today? Because from what I understand, that was Earl Browder's position, if I'm not mistaken. It was during the Browder leadership of the communist movement, but it was also during the Popular Front period. And it was the period that the international communist movement, the Comintern, including Stalin and Dimitrov, were pushing. Whether or not it's apropos today is another question, but at one point, the leadership and the rank and file felt it was the best way to go. And I could speak about the European communist movement, the leadership of the anti-fascist movement, basically because of that, was led by the French in France, the Italians in Italy, in Yugoslavia, the Communist Party led it, Tito's Communist Party. In Greece, it was the Greek Communist Party. So the identification with one's historical background did work at that point in history. Whether or not it's apropos now is to be debated. How can the positions that Lenin held about colonialism and the positions that Ho Chi Minh eventually adopted concerning colonialism be applied today as far as 
neocolonialism where we don't have direct oppression anymore, but instead we have economic oppression. Your question is saying that today it's a little different in that during Lenin's time, we actually had colonial empires. And today the empire is not there, but the economic force against these peoples is still there. I'll give you my view of it. I think the world has basically not changed, in my opinion. Technologically is the only way it has changed, but every other way it hasn't changed. American economic force in most of the countries of the world is still there. I understand that what Lenin was talking about in his time is still there today. He said that imperialism, to name one of the books he wrote, was the highest stage of capitalism, and that only under capitalism do you have imperialism. I think he was correct then. I think he's correct today. I do not agree with the thesis that says if you have socialism, you have imperialism. If there looks like that on the surface, one has to question, is it really socialism? For example, China, the debate goes that China is socialist or China is not socialist. And then what goes from that is the idea that China is building economic projects in third world countries. Is that traditional imperialism, the way Lenin talked about it? Or is it different? That's an example of the current situation. Also, Russia today is not the Soviet Union. And therefore, does current-day Russia involve itself, if it is capitalist, does it stem from that, that imperialism is also the highest stage of capitalism in Russia? But I think if we study the original documents collectively and apply it to what's going on around us in the world, I think we will find that the world hasn't changed that much and that the laws of capitalism and exploitation still exist today. And it would help us define on whether a country that calls itself socialism still is socialist. I think it's good that we're stressing the importance of a people's school, and we need it because Lenin talks about in a capitalist society, education is manipulated to influence the people at the expense of capitalism. And as we know, in this type of bourgeois democracy, it will exhaust all lines to disrupt our working class struggles. So capitalist society, they have a school. They even have a school of thought called the media, this freedom of press and all of our TVs. This is why we need a school. It trains us in an ideology that combats capitalism. And we need it because capitalists are beating us. They have the media, they control our history books, so without this school, we're just individual bodies, absent of criticism and a common goal. Pretty much what Stalin said was education is a weapon, so we need to arm ourselves with what you're teaching us tonight. Thank you. Thank you for watching this full-length class from the People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies. For more information, or if you're interested in attending classes, visit our website, check out our YouTube channel, or email info at psmls.org.